0: So today is a Pentecost Sunday, uh, the day that we celebrate that the day that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit descended upon 120 people in an upper room. Uh, they came and, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit after 10 days of praying and seeking uh, for what God had told him to wait for, Jesus had ascended into heaven. He said, wait until you receive the gift that the Father has promised. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, uh, we're going to read 1 through 13. Uh, those are that's the primary text for today. And we're, we're, we're going to uh, believe that Pentecost is not just a one time occurrence. It's an everyday event. The opportunity to be able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive God and and receive his power um, is every single day of the week. And so we have that opportunity today to even receive God's Pentecost as well. It says when the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. There's unity here, like we mentioned. Jesus's brothers, his his mother, all the disciples—they're united here in one place. There is no separation. There's no division between them. There is a unity um, among all of them. The brothers, the the brothers of Jesus that didn't even believe in him while he was walking on earth, now they believe in Jesus, and now they're here along, and they're all in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5 Now there were staying in Jerusalem God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Uh, today I want to talk to you, um, and just as a title and the question here, referencing what verse 12 says, what does this mean? Many times people, whenever they ask about Pentecost or they talk about Pentecost and people, um, there's different different already ideas or definitions that people might have what Pentecost is. People even think, okay, that's a Pentecostal service, thinking maybe it was a loud service or or they identified Pentecostal service because of the type of music. Oh, man, we, we it was good, and it felt great, and we were able to jump up and, and, and dance and scream and, and shout, and, and that's definitions of Pentecost for most people. Um, and And growing up in a pentecostal church you know i 've grown up in Pentecostal church my entire life and and you know a lot of people. Can't really identify or understand what Pentecost really means. They think, okay, Pentecost is this expression of worship. It's an expression of, okay, man, that we were jumping around and, and people were speaking in tongues. But it's so much more than just a good service. It's so much more than just what, what type of music we're playing. Um, Pentecost is a lot more, um, than what, than what most people think of. And I think a lot of times people misinterpret what Pentecost really is. Um, and we don't understand what Pentecost is and what, and so we identify ourselves, um, I identify ourselves at would Vive as a Pentecostal church. We're a church that believes in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and we'll get into what that truly means right now. Um, as, as a summary from the past couple of weeks, we talked about what the word Pentecost means. It literally means 50 days, um, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ resurrected on Easter Sunday. And in 40 days and 40 nights, he walked in this earth. And then after he walked in this earth, 40 days and 40 nights and he did many miracles, John 21 says he did so many miracles that this that this that you can fill up, you know, this whole earth with all the stories of things he had done. And then he ascends into heaven and he says, wait for the father, wait for the gift that my father has promised. And, and there's 10 more days. And so they all go into an upper room and there's 120 of them together. It comes in conjunction with this Jewish festival of Shabbat or the Feast of Weeks or the Day of First Fruits. This this Pentecost, it's it's this idea of, of this first fruit, something great is about to happen. And this is the moment actually where people can mark Pentecost Sunday as literally the first church or the first day of church. Um, this is where the church began. This is where the church started. It started at Pentecost. The church didn't necessarily begin, okay, when Jesus was around. No, that this is the beginning of the church on Pentecost Sunday. So I want to share three different things that that this verse and this passage or this, Pente- this Pentecostal passage that we read uh, declares. So if you're taking notes, you can write them down. But number one, it was a demonstration of promise. There was promise. There, there was, there was, there was definitely a demonstration because this is number one, Jesus, He instructed the disciples before His death that He would send the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 15, verse 26, 16, 13 through 15. All those verses are, are the verses that where Jesus is literally saying, I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send someone to help you. This is a promise that Jesus is saying to His disciples. He doesn't declare this promise as as something that okay, this is another person that is is different from no. He's saying okay, yeah, this is another person as well, but this person is here to to not on his own agenda, but he speaks and he does what the Father tells him. There's there's a connection between the tr- Trinity and and when he's speaking about the Holy Spirit and there's this connection between the three of them, and he says that 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 the Holy Spirit will come and he will glorify me in all things. So this is a promise he's telling his disciples. He, number two, he, he, Jesus instructs his disciples to wait for the gift that was promised. There's this idea of waiting. And last week and the last couple of weeks, we talked about this waiting in preparation for Pentecost and waiting and waiting and the idea of, of, of just, just waiting for what God is, has promised. And so Jesus has said that there's a promise here for them. Um, all throughout scripture, um, even, even people look and, and can read and understand that the Spirit has been moving throughout scripture. And this is a moment that's being fulfilled by what Jesus is saying. Jesus said it with his own words. And now it's coming to completion. The promise was that they would receive power in order to become witnesses. So this is a demonstration of promise. This is what Jesus is demonstrating. He has, he has declared to them. This is, this is the promise that you've received. This is the promise that, that, that you've been waiting for all this time, all these years. You've been waiting for, for, for a promise. You've been waiting for this. You've been waiting for this moment of, of when the Holy Spirit was to come. And so this is where we come together and we finally get to Acts chapter 2. This promise is being fulfilled. This promise is coming into fruition. There's no longer waiting. There's no longer this, this moment of, of, okay, when is this going to happen? No, it's living now. Um, and the reason why it's so important to see is because you, you understand and if you really study the, the Bible, these these men, that Jewish men who lived under this law for many, many years, understanding that. The only people that could get close to the holies of holies were the high priest. Those are the people that could get to the closest to the holies of holies. Only the, the high priest could come, and and they could be in the presence of God. But no longer at any point now. There's no longer separation between the power of God over here and in man over here. No, the, we all can embody the the spirit of God in ourselves. This is what's promised to us. This is be, what belongs to us, and what God has given us. He's given him of himself. Number two, it was a demonstration of power. Um, it, it was a demonstration of power. We, we've read Acts one eight is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's this idea of that there's an empowerment. There's, there's something more than just just receiving salvation. There's something above and beyond. Um, Jesus knew that disciples were going to need guidance. Understanding the the, the the Gospels and reading through the Gospels, you see a bunch of, of misfits, a bunch of fishermen, a bunch of outcasts, a bunch of of, of, of different types of men, this, this whole diversity of different types of men. And he understood that, man, even after I'm gone, they still don't get it. Even when Jesus had left and he had that time between the, the cross and the resurrection, you had one that was denying him. You had another one that, that wanted to see the the hands the holes in his hands and he understood that they were going to need guidance even after that you know shortly after the resurrection some of them had gone back to fishing they went back to their own jobs and he understood that there was there was a need for guidance He knew that power would allow them to become witnesses to the ends of the earth. We're not empowered just so that we can have a great service. Being a Pentecostal is not just about having a beautiful service or having being able to jump down and and scream and shout and holler and hoot and and do all that. Although that's great, that's fun. But the, the moment we receive God's Spirit, it's so that we can be empowered to be witnesses. All this is just so that we can reach the lost. All of this is so that we can reach out to people that, that God who, who would never, who, or, or we could never reach out to our own, our own selves, on our own ambition. And God's power comes in. It says they, they could all hear the wonders of God in their own language. That's only power that could do it. Acts 2 tells them that the people heard their own languages. They were coming from all different types of places, and they could hear in their own language. That's only the power of God that could do it. The Bible tells us of different gifts of the Spirit, and we'll touch that on a later discussion. But the Bible tells us about different gifts of the Spirit. And and in 1 Corinthians 12, as it shares the gifts of the Spirit, it was a demonstration of power. I mean, there's different types of gifts, gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, um, gifts of of prophecy, gifts, gifts that we believe to this day God still uses and God empowers people, healing, miraculous signs, wonders, God uses us even right now, tongues and interpretation of tongues to do these things right now. And it's only through the empowerment of the Spirit we can do this. Number three, it was a demonstration of participation. And this is an important part because Acts 2 tells us they were all together in one place and they all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A total of 120 people were present. Like I mentioned earlier, there was no more uh, division between the disciples. This is the, the time you see the disciples in unity. You see the mom of Jesus. You see the women. There's no separation between genders. It's not male nor female. It's it's everyone united. The brothers of Jesus who didn't believe in him and trust in him, they're all united in that moment. And there's participation. There's people coming together. And And when you ask, who can receive the baptism? It's for everyone. It's for everyone. There were people of different languages visiting Jerusalem, and everyone is able to hear people speaking in tongues in their very own language. Now this is an important part. I think a lot of times we we surpass really quickly. A lot of times when people read or I, I've been to a, a service where talk, people talk about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they, they focus on Acts chapters one um, two, verse one through four, the very first part. But after you get into verse five through thirteen in this part. It, this is the response of what the people are seeing, of what's happening. And I think there's a lot of important things about it. You see, at this moment, the Bible clearly describes, and we go back to that scripture, we'll, we'll see it, it we'll, we'll read it here. And it clearly describes like how then each of us hears them in, in our native language. It says Parthians, Medes, and Alamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and this is, and so on, Asia, uh, Egypt, the parts of Libya New Cyrene, visitors from Rome, and Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. He says, we all hear the wonders of God in our own language. See, I don't think God does things without purpose. Like I believe there's a purpose behind, and there's a timing of what God does. And I believe it 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 can correlate to especially what God is doing right now in the city of Houston. God's bringing literally the nations to us right now in the city of Houston. One of the most diverse cities in the entire nation, or if not the most diverse city. And God's bringing people from all different types of places. And this is what's happening right now. See, God could have descended or he could have brought the baptism of the Holy Spirit anytime he wanted to. But he chose this moment for a specific purpose. Because this is a moment where people were gathering for a festival, literally from all the world. See, the Bible even says itself, there was people that came from every single nation under heaven. Verse 5. People came together from every nation. So for, for one moment here, this is the moment where everyone is gathered together. Every nation is here, gathering together. And at that point, there's no more Jew, no more Gentile. We understand the Jews, they're the people of God, and the Gentiles, everyone else. At this moment, there is no division between one or the other. It's everyone that can feel and, and, and get the presence of God. There is no okay. This is where the holies of holies is. This is where this is this is where the men can receive it. This is where the women can receive it. This is where the young people can receive it, and 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 so forth. When Peter begins to preach, literally verses after this, and we'll talk about that another time. But he says, you know, this is the prophecy of of, of Joel that that on your church in the last days, you know, I will I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't say, okay, just certain types of people, certain black people or white people or Hispanic people. No, he says literally all flesh. He says your sons and your daughters will prophesy, which is super important because you, this society is a, a very, uh, uh, divided society where women were, were over here. Most women didn't know how to read. Most women were uneducated and men were the predominant people in the society. And, and Peter is, is clearly saying that your sons and daughters will prophesy. He says your, your your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions what God is doing in the spirit is not just what 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 a generational thing it's it's for all types of people and he says even on your servants and and your bond servants they will they will receive the spirit they will prophesy as well meaning it's 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 for all types of people the master and the slave for the rich and the poor where, where there is no division of of, of caste, there, there is no division of economic, there, there is no division, it's participation, it's people coming together and, and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a demonstration for the very first time in the history of the world, all the world is gathered together to receive and to see the power of the Spirit. All through the Old Testament, you study the Old Testament, there has, never single been, there has not been a single moment where the entire world is gathered like this. To experience the power of God. I pray that here now in Houston, Texas in 2019, where the, where the world gathers together and people are coming from every nation, can God bring Pentecost to our city. And people can participate no matter what type of background they come from, where they come from, what, what issues they have, what baby mama drama they have, what they look like. Men, they, are they living paycheck by paycheck, or what, what stuff is going on in their life, or what mistakes did they make in the past, whether they're, they're whatever, whatever party they support, whatever, whoever they are. Let them come and experience the power of God. And only through the power of God. We participate together and there's no more this person or this person. No, we're all unified and we all come together. There's a lot of questions here. And I'm going to take a few moments to teach here because I think it's super important. Because most people, they grow up in a church that's Pentecostal and doesn't understand what that really means. So what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I like how um, Ty Buckingham said it like this in his book. He said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the empowerment to do so so that more people may know. It is essential to all believers who want to impact the world. Without it, there is no newfound passion, no overflowing presence, and it is significantly more difficult to spread the news of Jesus. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? See, most people don't understand that baptism of the Holy Spirit, see, and what separates us from a lot of other organizations or people from other churches, is that people don't understand that salvation is a, transform, a transformational act or a regenerative act there's regeneration, there's transformation. While the Spirit baptism is an empowering event, this is the second act. So the first act, you accept Jesus and say, "Man, Jesus, I accept you as Lord." It's salvation, it's transformation event. Afterwards is when God God says, "Okay, now it's time. Do you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit?" And you say, "Yes, I do." And that's now it's an empowering event. Imagine this cup that's filled, and right now I fill it with coffee, but imagine it was filled with water. Um, I, I When God comes into your life, your cup might be empty. There might be nothing in here. But when God fills it, He fills it to the brim. And He fills it with Himself in you. But imagine that as salvation. But apart from that, you think about, okay, what is an empowering event? Imagine that this is overflowing. And now you're talking about, you know, let's say this is water. Let's say this is a a spigot of water that's coming out and and sprinkler system of water that's coming and overflowing and and it's just pouring and pouring and pouring. It's not just simply filled, it's overflowing. See, this word baptism literally means to be submerged. Um, I've spoken with young people at camps and um, led tons of kids at the altar at camps and conventions over the last 10 years. And I love sharing to kids the, the The benefit of what God wants to do in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and usually the illustration I use is you know uh, is this is the illustration of of you know if you fall into a pool you know let's say you fall into a pool, you come out and you're 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 soaking wet and and the, the beauty thing you know the the, or the beautiful thing about it is like man you 're soaking wet and this is the illustration but the 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 thing is is as you have water you're you're literally leaving an impression everywhere you go. As long as you're filled, or as long as you've been you've been you've been drenched in this water, and you're soaking wet. And every single time you go somewhere, you you leave an impression. You sit somewhere, you're gonna leave an impression. If you touch someone, you're gonna leave an impression. You hug someone as soon as you got out of the pool, and you're all wet. You're gonna get them wet. (laughs) You know, there's this impression that you leave, and I, I feel I feel that that's how the the spirit works. Is that it's more than just just having what's to the to the to the brim. It's to that God wants to fill us to overflow and to do more. And it says that they spoke in other tongues. And, and people, this is where a lot of times people get lost. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what are you talking about? You know, speaking in tongues now. Uh, and people have no clue what this means. And you know, people say, okay, just do it. And, and people will say different things. And that's where a lot of people who are not church people will get a little lost. And like, okay, well, man, that's that's where you kind of weird me out. Even myself, when I was younger, I was weirded out when I saw people speaking in tongues. You know, people were doing crazy things. But I look at what the, the scripture because the scripture tells us that they spoke in other tongues. And I understand it, and I, I will define it like this. It is the initial physical evidence that, that you have received the Holy Spirit. So this is literally the sign that the people received because you look at everything that's happening here, and you look at through the book of Acts. Through the book of Acts, there are different times where, where people it says the people received the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts 2.4 is one of them, which we just read. I believe it's Acts 8.31 and Acts 10.45, the other times, where people received the Holy Spirit. And every single time, there was an evidence. They spoke in other languages, in other tongues. They spoke in an utterance. And it says, as the Spirit enabled them, the Spirit gave them the utterance and, and, and they, they gave them the words. And I, I, I believe for the, for the church right now, I believe that God has given us heavenly languages and the accessibility to come into what Pentecost is. And not Pentecost defining it as, a, okay, that was a great service. No, Pentecost is this, receiving this empowerment, using this empowerment to be able to be witnesses to all people. Now people get this confused many times. There was even there's different segments of what people teach on in tongues and I can't go over every single one. But there's some people that would even say, oh, okay, well there's missionary tongues that, that got you know, you just go to whatever country you want to go to and God will give you the words and you know you don't even know the language and you'll start speaking in tongues and don't understand and there are certain circumstances where that happens and but that's not something I promote. Um I, I believe what, what what God does through tongues is that there are two operations of speaking in tongues in Scripture? Number one, the Bible talks about private times and praying with God. You can pray God in private, and it's a new prayer language. There's a moment where you're, you're speaking to God, and it goes beyond what you're praying in, lang- in what you pray in English. Whatever language you, you pray for pray God, to God in, whether it's English or Spanish, when you start to pray to God. And you start to ask God, okay, what more? And sometimes you run out of words after a few, a few sentences or a few minutes. And you're looking for something else to say. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just be able to extend our languages and extend and give us more words and more utterances. And, and even though there might be syllables, we, not, we might not understand words, we might not comprehend. But God will give us more. Um, that there's this connection between our spirit and His spirit as we're speaking together with Him. The Bible also talks, talks about public um, um, uh, speaking in tongues. This public speaking in tongues that, that Paul even references. Um, it's for the body of believers. It's the body of believers that come together. and And, and when someone is in a service and they speak in tongues out loud... Um, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in, um, he, he's talking about, a, 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 a speaking in tongues and he says it's, it should be a followed by an interpretation. Mm-hmm. That there's, there, there's different, two different operations of speaking in tongues. There's the private and the public. And so, in the public utterance, you know, when someone speaks out loud, they're speaking um, for someone to interpret. And, and Paul's saying, if that person is not followed by interpretation, for us to, you know, keep that, keep that to themselves, maybe that's more of a private thing. But which, whichever one we, we do, and however God operates in us, let us be open to what God is saying in the Scripture. Because tongues is, is not the end-all result. We don't, do, we don't seek the Holy Spirit so that we can get tongues. Tongues is simply just a, just the receipt. <laughs> it's, just, it's simply just the sign, the evidence. It's that word, like I said, initial physical evidence. that's what it is. It's, it's, it's the initial physical evidence. It's the first sign, it's physical and it's evidence. That's what it is, but that's where it does, that, that, does, that doesn't mean that's where it needs to stop. See, because the Bible tells us of different gifts. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a people that believe. In the fullness of what God can do in the spirit. Like, I, I, I desperately want to see God heal people when they come to this church. I, I want people that come and they, they have that have come with physical deformities. And I want to believe that God can restore and heal. Miraculous signs and wonders. I mean, immediately after this, the disciples, they went and they started healing people. They started restoring people. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge. When we understand what what words of wisdom are, wisdom that's beyond our our own comprehension, beyond our own way of thinking. When I can receive a word of knowledge, where I know something about someone that, that, that I would have never known if it wasn't for the spirit that told me that's what it was. I want to be able to have discernment within what's going on. Discernment of spirits. Is that of God? Or is that not? But I can only know it through this power of the spirit. I want, to, I want to lead people to understand that there's a power meant that's not. we don't seek the gifts. We seek the giver. And as we seek the giver, he blesses us with the gifts so that we can empower others and we can bring other people to know him. See, the most beautiful thing that we can share as a church—we we're not going to compete with any other type of um, mega church, or even try to compete with what the world has. You know, they have better lights, they have better sound, they have better everything. I mean, they have even better pe- better people that can speak. But what what they have is not what we have. We have something else. We have what, what can be. That that that's something that's irreplaceable. It's this power of the spirit. When you see when we're able to operate in the gifts and God allows us to use the gifts and he uses us. I pray that God uses us and in our gifts that God has used us that we can lead people as we have our basic conversations with people, whether we're at the barbershop or at the grocery store, wherever we're at. God's going to give us words of wisdom, words of knowledge. God's going to give us words of prophecy over people. And they're going to respond and react and believe simply because we listened to God and we allowed the Holy Spirit to move through us. See, when the Holy Spirit came together in that day, and I'm about to finish, and then we'll get into some questions because this is a great time to ask questions because I'm sure a lot of people have questions right now. But in this moment here, this is a beautiful moment where, where God is descending on these people. And he comes down to these people and they descend and they receive the power of the Spirit. And when they listen and they come together in listening to God, God responds, responds and reacts accordingly. And all these people came together. And it says the Bible tells us that 3,000 people were added to their number on that day. They went from 120 to 30,000. No church growth strategy can 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 do that, but except through the power of God's presence, His Spirit, and what He does for the church. I pray that today, that that on Pentecost, that we are not just people who talk about Pentecost and read about Pentecost, but we're actually some ones that live it out on a daily basis. Um, I want to pray tonight that man, if you've never received the baptism of the holy spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in the tongues that this might be a night where god will pour out on you like never before or maybe as you go back home or back to your room or or drive home or or you're somewhere god is just going to overwhelm you with his presence but i encourage you to seek i encourage you to look and i encourage you to 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 find what god has for us because i believe what this means for the church And what this means for us, as few of us that are here tonight, I feel that that if we call on God's power, there's only so much that we can do. But we call on God's power. God's going to bring the people to this church. Let's pray. Father God, right now, God, I just want to take a few moments, God, and just thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your baptism. God, thank you for, your, for what you've done. Holy Spirit, and God, just thank you. God, we glorify you. And God, we thank you for what you did on Pentecost. As the disciples gathered together and many people that were there, that were seeking, they received something. We pray that today. Just as we are here together, let us receive. But let's use that power so that we can go and act. Lord, we thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. amen.